Hi, welcome back to Canahan Podcasting. Today I'm going to be reviewing the first one of the trilogy of Hobbit movies based off the book by the same name by J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay, starting off with the box office numbers, the movie The Hobbit The Unexpected Journey premiered on December 6, 2012 with an opening weekend of $222.6 million and it pulled a total of $1.021 billion in its time in theaters. It was the 15th movie of all time to cross the $1 billion mark and was undoubtedly a massive success from a box office standpoint. Reception did not fare quite as well. It was given a 64% by critics on Rotten Tomatoes, though it did receive an A from audiences on the website Cinema Scores. While the musical score, visual effects, and casting choices were widely praised, the main complaints both critics and viewers found with the movie was the high frame rate and the dragging pace of the plot. Um, more about the high frame rate, it was one of the first movies to, with a wide premiere to use uh, a frame rate double that of almost all previous movies, which led to an effect where certain scenes and props looked almost too real, and the movie, uh, from most people's perspective, lost its mystical, magical effect that the uh, Tolkien uh, universe usually comes with. Also, to uh, note the uh, main critique of a dragon plot, this is also one of my main critiques of the movie. Um, when you take what was Tolkien's shortest book, The Hobbit, and turn it into a trilogy of movies totaling over nine hours, uh, you have to add in a lot of details that weren't in the book to get it to that length. And I felt like a lot of the subplots just were unnecessary and just added confusion to the plot. Uh, one of the main ones was the introduction of the villain Azog, the uh, white orc, who spent the movie trying to hunt down and eliminate Thorin Oakenshield, the leader of the group of dwarves that the movie follows. Uh, Azog was, nowhere, was found nowhere in the books, and I just felt like the inclusion of him uh, took away what was the from the main conflicts of the movie with the dwarves versus Smog, and then Thorin uh, reckoning with his past and trying to avoid the fates of his father and grandfather. Um, moving on from that, though, there were certainly some excellent scenes and. I, enough so that I felt like I should devote a section to what I thought were the best scenes of the movie. Um, one of my favorite is Gandalf's iconic line when he first meets Bilbo, and Bilbo says to him, good morning, and uh, Gandalf goes off on a bit of a tangent about how such an ordinary, what such an ordinary phrase uh, could mean, and like all the different ways it could be interpreted, and uh, that scene has been uh, widely loved sense and is one of my favorite in the movie. One of my other favorite scenes is when all of the dwarves are introduced, uh, when they come knocking at Bilbo's door. I love the scene, it, uh, the song the dwarves uh, break out into when they're cleaning up from their dinner is um, one, I think, my favorite of the whole movie and probably of the trilogy as well. Uh, I just 
had a great energy to it and made me smile. Right, um, I would say my final for my favorite scenes would be Gollum when Frodo meets him in the tunnels when he is running from the dwarves. Gollum has always been a really interesting character to me. I think Andy Serkis uh, portrays his like psychotic, um, like double personality really well, and it really creates uh, a good character and one that adds a lot to both the Hobbit movies and the original Lord of the Rings series. Now, come a lot of this coming with uh, the... Some of it coming with the dragging pace and the added subplots, but also just scenes that I felt didn't live up to the rest of the movie. Uh, my main scene would be Goblin Town, when the dwarves and Bilbo are captured by the goblins underneath the Misty Mountains. The whole scene just didn't feel like it really fit with the rest of the movie. Um, the song just seemed, well, funny, seemed completely out of place, and the whole scene just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, also, at the end, when they're fleeing from the goblins and they stand on this platform that collapses down a cliff, I thought was complete, just didn't have any basis in reality, but I'll get to that later. Um, yeah, I guess... Moving on to my next section, uh, the my like nitpicks over like ridiculous, unrealistic occurrences or continuity errors in the movie, of which I have many. Um, one of them would be Azog. When they introduced Azog, like I said, just you know, who didn't have any place in the books, his motives are kind of unclear. Like we know he's an orc, but we don't really know why he hates Thorin's family line so much. Or what, like why it's his life's work, it seems like, to wipe them out. So when we don't really understand his motives, I feel like it doesn't make him as compelling a character. Um, also, there are a lot of instances in the movie, like when the eagles rescue the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf from the tree, or when the moon happens to be just right for Elrond to read the runes on the map. I just felt like these were just uh, deus ex machinas and were almost too convenient and made the plot move along well, but there was no challenge involved in them. And I thought it took away from the overall plot. Also, my main one is, like I spoke about a moment ago, when the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf were running from the goblins, um, one of the like wooden bridges collapsed and fell down a canyon underground with all the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf standing on it. And just the whole scene was just, I mean, obviously CGI, but like the fact that the this platform somehow stayed upright and straight so they could stand on it as it bounced down an impossibly high cliff and they got to the bottom and no one was killed or even injured enough that they couldn't walk away from it. It was just completely ridiculous and didn't make any sense at all. Um, so yes, moving on to my next section. I did find some fun facts about the movie. Um, so we only see Smaug the dragon for a very short amount of time. We actually only see his eye in this movie when he wakes up 
to a bird knocking on the door at the very end of the film. But I found that when they were creating the movie, each one of his scales took um, it took a computer processor uh, a week to render each scale, meaning if they'd only used one processor, they would have had to render him one scale one week at a time. Obviously, they used more, they were drastically increasing the speed of this process, but I just found it interesting that he was rendered to such great detail that the process was that intense. Also, one thing I didn't know about the uh, Tolkien universe in general is that the he, Tolkien himself, decided that elves, in keeping with their, like, very noble and, like, aristocratic image none of he didn't want any of them to ever have any facial hair so for the actors playing them they had to have special makeup applied each evening when they were filming to hide any five o'clock shadows by the actors uh, i guess my only section i have left is my overall opinion uh, as a huge fan of the tolkien universe um i enjoyed the movie a lot I definitely agree with the general critique that when you turn his shortest work into the longest uh, film version, and like I said, over nine hours total, um, it dragged along at a lot of points, and I really felt like they should have included less subplots and stayed closer to their source material, and it would have made for a much faster-paced, more energetic movie that I think would have served them well. But overall, I enjoyed the movie tremendously. And yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Thanks for listening.